Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a Greenock Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. This is an important message from the Tale of the Bank Credit Union. Remember that we are here for you. We share this message often because it's important. Don't get hooked in by loan sharks. Avoid the pitfall of debt solutions. Stop, take a breath and consider your options. Tale of the Bank Credit Union are Inverclyde's credit union. We are non-profit making and put our members first. Call us for a confidential chat before falling into trap for high-rate lenders or debt solutions that aren't right for you. Contact us via creditunioninverclyde.com by phone on 01475-734-655 or via our social media feeds and see how Inverclyde Credit Union support you to save, borrow and plan for tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Just One Canetto podcast. I am Craig Dang and I'm joined by Alan Coyle. How are you, Alan? Uh, I've had better weekends, but <laughs> as have all Morton supporters, I think. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, How about oh, yourself? <laughs> ah, not too bad, not too bad. I mean, I actually wasn't at the game, so, you know, at least I didn't have to, you know. Oh, okay, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't have to reflect on having paid to watch that shite. But, uh, yeah, so on that note, uh, yeah, Morton travelled for hell on Saturday. Uh, took, the, took an early lead through Robbie Muirhead, uh, but uh, quickly went wrong and ended up with a 5-1 defeat where you could reasonably say it was 5 going on 7 and 8. So uh, before we come round to talking about the game, uh, the window for loan transfers ended uh, through the week there with no signings coming in. Alan, were you surprised by that? Yep, yes I was. Well, yes, yes I was surprised. Um, having been at the, the MCT AGM uh, back near the start of the month, uh, we were there was indication given that we were close to a signing, uh, which obviously materialised in Grimshaw, um, but uh, there was an indication that um, we, it was very, very, very hopeful that signings would be brought in before the end of the month. Um I think there was a suggestion, obviously, that with the Dalrada money, that the finance was there to help boost the squad. Obviously, we heard Dougie talking very um, <clears throat> positively about it and almost bullishly at points about the investment and how that was going to help him. So, um, aye, surprising and just like um, just just like the old Morton supporters, I think pretty, uh, pretty, pretty disappointed that we didn't bring anybody in, uh, given the let's just put it frankly, the inadequacies of the current squad, um, which was obviously laid bare by the fact that we had four players on the bench yesterday. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it, last season we picked up free agents. I know we, we, we've picked up free agents in the past. Um, I know we could point to loads of things we could have a discussion about why why, why we weren't able to get the loan signings in. If you look around the league, um, there's not that many teams have brought in players late on there. I know we have brought in Logan Chalmers, but um, whether or not this is a byproduct of Celtic Rangers and Hearts um, in the Lowland League now and uh, other factors as well, teams cutting their cord and maybe keeping their younger players in and around their squad. Um, but uh, it's a concern and whether or no Emery's kind of thought about this when he's been putting the squad together and thinking I'll be able to get loan signs later and it's not transpired. Obviously he's come out and said, you know, I'm happy to go with what I've got. He said that in the Telegraph on Friday. Whether on his heart of hearts he is, given 
what transpired on Saturday when we had a couple of injuries um, is, is another matter entirely. I think you're spot on. It's, it is a big concern that we may well end up just running with a squad till January now. And that's that's not a good sign at all. Um, you know, I, I do completely understand the logic of sort of holding on right until the window closes, hoping that a player of real quality is going to appear. Like, yeah, you don't want to rush in and end up with someone who's a desperate gamble and you end up with Kaiser Sterling when you, you, you might have had sort of a player becoming available on loan of a higher quality than that. But you'd have thought when we got right down to the wire that actually you do take the gamble because running for the rest of this for sort of the rest of this year with Katongo in your head as your centre forward options, that's not good enough. <laughs> you know, it's it's clearly not going to deliver us enough goals. And yeah, you, you take the gamble on a young player. Um yeah, it might backfire. Clearly there's been specific players in the in the premiership that Emery's been looking at. I I don't know who they are necessarily, like just purely guesswork um, on the strength of like seeing players who've played in the Championship before. Maybe one of them was Connor Shields at Motherwell, maybe one of them was Ennis Cameron at Kilmarnock, and circumstances at those clubs with injuries and impending 10-match suspensions have maybe yeah. meant those players are going nowhere. But I, I think there was really no choice but to take a gamble, and I am not uh, not relishing the next couple of months, really. Aye, um, absolutely. Um, give, given that the, the general... Chat around kind of supporters that I'd kind of spoken to. It 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 kind of been you know we're, we're one or two players. If we were to get one or two players in, we'll maybe get a wee shot. Of, you know, pushing for the top four, and you know, but we're not that far away. But um, we'll obviously go on to <laughs> you obviously talk about yesterday in a minute. But um, even in there, I mean, you can see what happens when we get injuries. You could also see what happens when we get a couple of players who at the start of the season they've been playing well have dips in form. And all of a sudden you're looking around about and, well, this is what we've got. So this is what we're running with. Um, and um, I've got to be honest with you, I've, I've no... This isn't a high standard, high quality league that we're playing in. Um, it's teams with strength and depth. Partick showed that yesterday. Air United have showed that with the, with the depth of their squad. Um, they get a couple injuries, they, 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 they bring ones in. Um you're, you're, you're kind of looking round about and we don't have that depth and that's that's what counts, I think. That's what's going to count in this league this year um, is which your squad depth. Another thing I was going to say is we maybe mentioned, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, I know Stevens mentioned it um, uh, and I know we did a kind of chat, the group chat about it, um, about, you know, we've got a bench of four yesterday, right? Um, is there no, can we no fill the bench with 17-year-olds? Or is there no under-18s even that we can get experience of the match day, you know, just, just a match day squad and a match day experience or whatever to put on there? Because I've, I've got to be frank, it's a bit already turning up and seeing four subs on and one of them being a goalkeeper. I mean, that's, that's the type of thing that you'd expect in a Saturday morning uh, team. But um, it, it, from what we're kind of told at the AGM, is that when we, we when the question had been asked was that um, our under 18s team this the under 18s team in the youth setup this year are a young team uh, and, and that they are young under 18s whether or not their first year under 18s and are not ready um, but I'm just kind of thinking we've got a guy who's played the vast majority of our games this season who last year was one of them 
and we gave a get who was a sixteen year old last year. Um, I'm yeah, really he got struggling against his Aye, in that game. I'm Aye. really, but I'm really struggling to see why. Why can we know? I mean, I went on the website. I went on the the, the official site just to kind of have a look at our youth team, and there's nothing there. There's, I think there's three players in Williams, Chris Stafford, and I wasn't sure if he was still with us. I thought he, thought he left. Oh, he, he left uh, in the summer. Aye, aye, aye. And there's, what, what I noticed in it as well is that there's one scout. There's uh, On our staff, there's uh, there's one scout that we've got. Um, and I would say in your current predicament, in your current situation and in the current economic situation and, and everything, um, we should be... Looking, I know this sounds like a really basic thing. Looking round leagues, looking at setups, looking at the lower leagues, looking at teams round about. Um, I had a pal talking to me this afternoon, mentioning about as a boy at Glen Afton apparently who everybody's interested in. I I wasn't aware of him, but he's apparently absolutely tearing trees up. He'd be in, and he's up front. There was a boy Sewell at Lags last year that we, I mean, was desperate to go full time. He's away to Stenish Muir. I mean, are we looking in these places? I know, I know that's well below our level, but. Um, they just just squad players or squad depth is horrendous just now. To be to be frank, aye, and it's having only three players out that leads to aye. <laughs> leads to having a bench of four. You know, it, it was one thing in the league cup at the start of the season when you had seven players out, and you're saying, right, we're we're in the middle of July, you've got seven players out. Only being able to name one sub in that scenario is a bit of a freak, freak event that I don't think really is a reflection on the club. Now it is actually a reflection on Emory's recruitment decisions. It's the decisions to let players go on loan as well, which mm-hmm. you can look at all those individual players and say it's fine in isolation. But when we've got to the point where the window's closed and you've actually not replaced them, then why why did those players go out on loan if this is how short we now are? But aye, I would, talk, I'm, talking about the talking about the size of the bench probably sort of aye, leads us on to going to the team. Aye. Yeah, leads on to talking about the team. So yeah, uh Baird and Katongo both suspended and Lithgow injured. So uh yeah, well what did you make of this starting eleven in the circumstances? Um we kind of spoken before about the, the, the Lewis McGregor could possibly have Started this game. Um, that's probably only the, the only thing that we could have looked at based based on what we had on the bench. Um, we had a discussion. I know that we've it's been hard about how we actually set up at the start. Was it a four? Was it a five stroke three? Um, because Grimshaw was playing kind of wider, high up, but. Um, Pignatello did seem to be playing. It, it, it did kind of look like a, a four with Strap as a left centre half, but I, be, I mean, maybe just a, in the second half, obviously it changed and it definitely was a five, you could see, yeah. or, or a three with the two of them kind of advanced higher up. Um, also, um, it did kind of look like a two as well. It was a two up front with uh, Muirhead and Cabia yeah. and which um, is named Crawford being the most advanced midfielder um, kind of drifting into positions out, out, outright um, you couldn't really couldn't really complain about the back four that he's about the team that he's picked given who we had available um, but I would definitely say on, on the balance of what happened Baird and Lithgow were huge misses huge massive misses for, for, for what was to transpire and I think if we have either either of them out or both of them out again, we are in some serious bother. Yeah, I think you see with some of the goals we lost here, and don't get me wrong, we've been losing bad goals lately generally, but uh, yeah, losing five in one game, and for all that it can sound like sour grapes, because some of them are well worked by Partick, some of them are also extremely simple for Partick, and it is yeah. 
just the complete lack of aerial presence in that defence when neither Baird or Lithgow are there. That's the real concerning thing in that. I mean, it doesn't reflect well on the management team organisationally that we're losing goals from crosses so simply. But yeah, it also doesn't reflect well on O'Connor that he's the other big commanding centre-back option. And uh, you're, <laughs> you're certainly not seeing uh, defensive solidity. So uh, we may as well start you know, making our way through the wreckage then. So first of all, the one positive. Uh, Peach have a goal from your head. Aye, but before that, they, they, they started the first five minutes or so, they've started the... They st- Started absolutely pressing us uh, and playing the ball on our third. They've hit the bar from what was a very straightforward um, run to the by- step to the byline, clip cross, and uh, I don't know who it was. It's got the header. It's nobody near him. I think it's Graham. It, was it was it Graham O'Kill? Surprise. Um, I mean, I know we'll talk about it later on, but I mean. <laughs> He's only been playing. He's only been playing for what about 15, 16 years. <laughs> he's, he's only known as being a six foot four striker who people pick as a target man. I mean, he's, I mean, he, as if he needed like a flash and light in his head for somebody to say stand by this guy and try and mark him, right? But but right, that that happened. But then we did we we did then have a relatively good period of play up to our goal. I thought we were. I thought we'd we'd, we'd grown into the game, and I thought our kind of. Some of our pa- patterns are playing, passages are playing, were good to watch. Um, and then there was a goal, which was an absolute stoter. Aye, it's a it's a goal of the season contender. Not that uh, any Morton fans going to want to look back at this game fondly. <laughs> Come the end of the season when we're reviewing the 20 goals we've managed to score in the league all season. But uh, yeah, aye, it's an absolute peach of a strike. And I think Muirhead's had a lot of criticism this season. Just He's not been doing enough. And... There is that reminder there that, yeah, he does have the ability to produce something like that from nowhere. You know, there is the concern that he was doing it far more frequently last season, that he would just come up with that moment, and it's not really been happening this season. Hopefully this is the impetus to go on and do that, but aye, we'll see. Uh, because it, you know, he certainly wasn't involved in the game uh, after that at any point. But yeah, there were far bigger problems with that performance in Robbie Muirhead, of course. There, there, was a, there, there was a period from then until they scored, uh, which wasn't a long one after, obviously, but the, um, I, I just felt, I, I felt Muirhead and KBR were, were, were causing them problems. Um, probably, and I don't know if that's as much that they're no great. They're no. I know they're top of the league, and I know they've just shirked us by five goals, right? But it's Sam Muirhead we're talking about here. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think they are that great. And it was it was interesting reading Pine Bovel, by the way, and seeing that a, a couple of their supporters were saying exactly that. I know we just won five one, but um, but Morton were rubbish. I didn't. So yeah, yeah. There's, we, we, there's we did have a period and, some empathic fans that they and I'm, yeah, didn't I, play well. Aye. And I'm going to go full Dean McKinnon here and say goals change games. Uh, and uh, Graham gets the equaliser. And there is a wee period that, see, see if, we'd, if we'd held that for a period of time, um, it would have been interesting going into the last five minutes of the half and we're still one ahead. But um, but that didn't happen. And I, I know we said here, just, just had a look at the highlights uh, just before we came on air. And... Yeah, I don't know if you want to go through it, but there's yeah, two or three I, players I, yeah. that we can... In fact, four players, I think, that we can point to. I mean, um, well, we, three we, in particular. Yes. We, we, we may as well uh, go and start dissecting goal by goal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
yeah, let's try and not go in quite as harshly as we did uh, in the, in <laughs> before the we game. But no, and yeah, just on your point about goals changing games, uh, the the classic Dean McKinnon quote, because uh, Emery said similar in his interview as well that you know after you've scored, you you, you want to keep things tight and stop the goal coming, and he said that. Ah, if you know, if you hold on to the lead, it will start having an impact on the opposition. But what he said in that context was, I thought things got a bit frantic after we scored, and uh-huh. that doesn't really relate to the way we conceded the goal because there's nothing frantic or difficult about it. It's just one very very simple pass down the line with a player not doing his job, and one very very simple cross with a player not doing his job to mark his man, and then a goalkeeper not doing his job when he should be saving it because you've mm-hmm. got. Lewis Strapp effectively has two men out there because Alex King is standing there doing nothing. Lewis Strapp's been dragged out there by I, I, I don't know who, the, who I don't know who the player was, but he's he has gone into an area right. If we're saying that he's playing that, that we're playing a three, right? He's absolutely right to to, to follow the man out. Um, I, I Alex King's sleeping because it's the. Um, I think it's McMillan that puts the ball in. Is, is, is it Mc, well, we'll just check here and see. Uh, so McMillan's their wing. Aye, yeah, it's McMillan. So aye. McMillan's their fullback. Yeah, that's Alec King's man. And Alec King has he's he's, he's just let, he's he's been sleeping or he's been caught. He's been caught in position. The boy's getting around him and he's stuck a ball in. It's a decent ball. And you look at it and there's Pignatello and there is a corner there. And first glance, I'm looking at it and thinking. Pignatel has lost his man there, but it's uh, no, it's no. It's a corner's just been absolutely out muscled. He's absolutely bullied. And you've surely, when you're looking at Partick and you're preparing for them, you're thinking and you know in the build up who is going to be playing in, in, in your defence, you're thinking, right, a corner, this is this is what you need to do. And then it's a header and Schwacky's got to be safe, or, yeah. or he's got he's, he's got to be doing better than he does, even if he's pushing it out. It's a really weak hand. It's just a really poor goal. Yeah, I think you could absolutely forgive from like a header at that close range coming at a goalkeeper if they end up pushing it right back out in front of them and the rebound ends up going in. I'm not sure you can blame a goalkeeper much in that scenario. It's certainly not one you can expect a keeper to hold, but there's no way that should be squirming under him and going in. He, he's got to keep it out in the first instance. And then, since we're talking about uh, Schwaki's errors, uh, the second goal. <laughs> um, and look, I think f- for over the piece of, of the season so far, Schwaki has been excellent. And look, he's a, he's a young goalkeeper. He's maybe going to have some bad games. And it's a, I certainly wouldn't be talking about dropping him or anything for, for this performance. But God almighty, that, that second goal is an absolute shocker. Aye, and I know it's, that people say that. That's what I'm asking, I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm t- I, I don't know. I don't think it was yourself or if it was uh, Viking Ton on Bain Bovril it, it, it made a point that in the discussion with Bardic fans about it, that, look, um, like, what's his name? Because they were, they, they were just talking about a goalie having a shocker of a game. Um, and look, Jack Hamilton had a couple of games like that last season, but um, his, his errors weren't, weren't like that, though. Um, that was... I I think what I think was happening Saturday um, is is that maybe the biggest? I, I know that sounds really a really daft thing to say. Bearing in mind, Schwack he's a young goalkeeper and he's played with Edinburgh City last year. Is that the, even though it's only for how the biggest stadium that he's been in, he's lost a bad goal. Is it a is it a head's gone after that because? It's the only thing that it's the only decision that it's the only reason that I can see for him having gone at that cross like that. Um, even though Holt 
Holt said the easiest to headers at the back post. I don't know if they're just not anticipating Shwacky going for it, but he's had still he's still had a free header. So somebody's marking him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know again if you were thinking it was King, but it's a, it's a free it was, header. I thought it was King uh, again there, yeah. Uh, and I think what that shows, by the way, is the lack of height and the lack of a commanding presence that we have um without Beard and Lithgow. Um if you think about it, I mean last season you, you're relying on Robin Muirhead when the opposition have got a corner. Do you know what I mean? Uh, for us to have any presence in our own box. Um, whereas last year we had, at times we had three, three centre-backs like that, as well as that um, with Ledger as well. And Ugwe would come back, you had Ian Wilson there. You had a presence in the box. Um, so, um, aye, it was just, it was just, a, again, and that's it. And then we're up against it. And in the space of seven minutes, the whole thing's turned on its head. Um, so yeah, and we, we we did then have a couple of chances falling on for that. Um, with one that was an absolute definite, um, your head should have done better. Where he's got a head on the six yard box that I initially thought was offside. Um, but yeah, and and uh, there's a there's a point there as well about having spoken about you know how brilliant the goalie scores is, but yeah. then again having spoken as well about sort of our lack of striking options at the start. If yeah, I mean it's brilliant when your head produces something like that free kick. Yeah, but it, that's it, it, but then you get a sort of just solid chance like that, and he kind of hit the target with it. And you think, right, well, we need someone who can actually make the most out of sort of a, a good chance being created for them, rather than just rely on someone pulling a world out of nowhere. Because it's I mean, Katongo's very similar. That yeah, he might magic some genius out of nowhere, but lay the ball on a plate for him twelve years out. And they'll contrive to miss. Do you know something? I I actually thought uh, on his first half performance, I'm going against the grain here, possibly. Right? I thought Muirhead had a. I thought Muirhead played well in the first half. I thought he. I thought he, he. He got about enough. I thought he used the ball relatively well when he got it as well. Um, I thought he did. Other than no take name chances, I thought he was all right. Um, and I'm, we got on to Jay's Kebia. Jace Kebia had flashes again. He's a bigger boy than um, than I think we gave him credit for, or, or, or than, than people think. Sorry, um, and he's got such a turn of pace on him, which you saw at certain points. I don't know what boots he had on his Saturday, but I think it was about two or three times where he's gone in his backside. He's just slipped and gone over. Um, but he's got such. He's got, he, he does have raw attributes, Jace Kebia, but he just doesn't show it enough. And see if we're going with a front two of those two, then we're needing, needing more for him. Um, I, I kind of mentioned this in the chat that if we're going with a 4-3-3, crazy thing though it is, and again, I'm out my own here, um, from the players that we have that are forwards, if he's going to play, I, I would be interested to see him through the middle. Bring Katongo back in and Katongo playing from a wider, from, from a left position or something like that, but that's because we've got nothing else. Um, second half, he did absolutely hee-haw. Um, but I, 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 again, I think that was that was down to a number of factors, mind you. I don't think it's fair on Saturday, though, to be singling out a front two, uh, yeah. as they were not the cause of us losing 5-1. No, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the sort of struggle for an out ball maybe contributes, but it's like, a long, long way down the list of issues behind that result. And yeah, just on playing players through the middle, I would I would say we've hit the point now where we can say, even if you are playing something resembling a front three with maybe sort of two behind the striker or one off a front two, yeah, the wingers hugging the touchline approach is not working. So I think regardless of who, you know, who the front three are, it's going to have to be 
those guys are playing through the middle. So inevitably we will see them all at some point getting played through the middle again. And yeah, I think we're, we're much better off doing that, whether it's Katongo, Kavi or Muirhead. I mean, I've always felt Muirhead's probably better through the middle than, than out wide. And yeah, Kavi has Craig, contributed nothing. Craig, do you think there is anybody else in our squad who could be effective up front through the middle? Or are you unlike the what is a a theory that is gathering a slight amount of momentum about another player from another position in who could play up front (laughs) well look if um, if Alan Lithgow ends up playing up front then it's a like pretty bad indictment on every squad building however the fact remains that when we've hit that Jim McAnally put a tall centre back up front desperation button when we've been chasing games we have immediately looked more dangerous. It's something I would be very, very, very sceptical about doing from the start of a game (laughs) because it's always happened in the very specific scenario of sort of last 10, 15 minutes, we're hoofing balls up the park, we need someone to win the headers. I seriously doubt that him actually leading the line for 90 minutes would ever work. But I, I mean, if you want someone to go up there and win headers he is going to be better at that than Robbie Muirhead, Jackie Tongo, Jace Kavia, or Lewis McGregor. So... I would agree with you. Aye. I would agree with you, but it maybe shows you where we are in that, that I, I think it was about a month ago somebody said, I think I'd say in the, in, the, in the record that somebody said to me half jokingly, and then a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was Stephen or somebody else had said, no, even half jokingly, and then somebody else that, I, that, that just another Morton fan had mentioned it as well. Um, and it's probably just about exactly a year ago, maybe a wee bit more than a year ago, when um, Gus McPherson did it and get absolutely ridiculed for it. But and as you say, it's where we are with our squad now that we're like yep. that. Is, is is that something that we did you see the fact that we're even semi seriously talk, talking about it as a as an option? Um, yes, I think it's what it reminds me of is the the League One winning season under Duffy, where for. Yeah, quite frequent parts of the first half of that season, we had O'Ware up front. Yeah, and yeah, that was that was again an indictment on the squad building because uh, you know the, the only other centre forwards were, I believe, Declan McManus and Andy Barriman, and Andy Barriman turned out to be that bad that O'Ware was genuinely a better option at centre forward than him, despite contributing very little up there other than being a physical nuisance. Da um, humour da humour here by the way, Andy Barriman went from selling the jerseys on the pitch for us to literally selling the jerseys now, isn't he? It's Joe Mowell. There yeah, we are. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, copyright, I'm copyrighting <laughs> that one, by the way. Yes. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, moving on to the second half, and, yeah, I, I, as we've sort of mentioned there with, with your head missing that header, we were still creating chances uh, in the first half. Like, I think at 2-1 down, we were always going to go on and lose that game, but... Aye, we, we were still creating chances. We were not being completely overrun for all that. I think they were definitely the better team. <sighs> then we changed shape and it turns from looking like it's going to be a comfortable win for Partick to being a total capitulation where they could have ended up scoring more goals than they did. And we just completely fell out of the game. So Aye, that's, um... uh, that's, again, look, and I think talking about Emory in general, I think... It's easy to react harshly, and um, we're correct to react harshly after a 5-1 defeat uh, where he's gotten a lot wrong. And yeah, I think sort of everything he did on Saturday exacerbated things and made it worse rather than making it better. But I mean, I think there does need to be a note of caution that 
you know, he's a manager with credit in the bank for a reason. It's easy to turn around and say, I will if Gus McPherson had overseen that, the you know, the support would have been absolutely poisonous. And I it would because Gus McPherson had no credit in the bank because he mm-hmm. had never achieved anything. Emery is a first time manager. He's gonna make mistakes, but he's shown more than enough competence to be given the opportunity to learn from those mistakes. Um, However, aye, yes, uh, there were, I think he's, there were many I, mistakes I, I, on Saturday. I would hope that he's learning from, he's, he's, he's able to reflect, and as as you said, he does have credit in the bank. He is somebody who last season definitely has shown an ability to kind of reflect in the cold light of day on performances and, um, and then maybe try and alleviate any, any, any issues that there were. Um, the one thing they said, well, one of the things in the second half was that it just appeared that players were unsure of their roles in Saturday. Um, but unsure about where, who was meant to be picking up, where was meant to be picking up. They, we were so, and, and I know we were chasing the game, but we were so stretched. The thing that I noticed, kind of, even kind of later on in the half, was that. Um, more so when Gillespie came off, who, along with another few players, I thought that was by far his poorest performance for us. Um, Gillespie, and I think it was probably right that we took him off, um, but I just felt there were gaping, like gaping holes in our midfield Aye. when they were breaking. Gaping holes. Um, and that's, that's before we, we, I mean, we we had a half chance, I think, um, at the back post about in the first five minutes of the second half. That that, that was barely a chance. Yeah. Um, before they've they've got the oh, I, sh- I shudder having looked at the highlights again <laughs> to, to to even describe some of these goals because yeah. everyone every one of them was a you're watching it and you're going when you're watching the highlights back you're going oh no uh, like it's 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 not a piece of brilliance. There was yeah. none of the goals, even the fourth one, where where about a touch of brilliance. It was. Aye. Yeah, and I think you've made a touch on a very pertinent point there about uh, players not really understanding their roles. Because, look, obviously in the context of Saturday by itself, it's such basic defensive errors. It's so poor in possession that just absolutely basic uh, skills you expect of footballers that they're failing to execute. And you can't pin that entirely on systemic issues. Players need to take responsibility to an extent. Mm -hmm. However, I do think there's something to be said about just how often we're changing the shape within games and mm-hmm. how often players are being moved positions. Mm-hmm. And it looked and again, like it's something I've praised Emory for before, like a manager being tactically flexible and not attached to one shape or one way of playing is a good thing. But we've changed about so much this season. See when you've got players playing three or four different positions in the space of three or four games, and then within those games you're maybe changing the shape two or three times as well. It becomes very difficult for a player to just settle into what their role in the team is, what their responsibilities are. And I think that contributes to, to an extent, it contributes to the absolute mess we see at some of these goals of runners completely being left, players not knowing, should I be the one going to shut this down? And yeah, I think we maybe need to get in the mindset of, right, at at least in the context of the defence, pick a shape and stick with it. Pick your personnel, and when when availability of players allows, stick with them because we we're shunting things about too often at the moment. Look, Saturday um, with the injuries to the two centre to to our two main centre halves as they are, there was a necessity. 
yeah. for players to play in certain positions. Aye, it's unavoidable, um, exactly. Whether or not if they were there, uh, Alex King would maybe have played. I, think he, I do think he's somebody who needs... I think we, I think we need to take him out of fireline for a wee bit. Um, yeah. We need to realise he is a huge prospect. I have, I, I think his delivery of a ball is is is, is outstanding for somebody his age. Um, there was points in the first half where he's carrying the ball forward and he's finding space, and he was able to ping pinpoint balls. There was one that went to the back post that we really should have scored. For. I, I think that was the other one of um, Muirhead Muirhead's headers. He's put yeah. two balls in like that, right on it, right on the money. His delivery is outstanding. He's such so full of energy. Um, he's but he's still only seventeen. I get the impression he's playing in a position that he's not really that used to, and he's playing there out of necessity. And on Saturday, we've had to play him there. Um, I was just kind of reflecting and thinking, could 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 we have played any other shape? We could have possibly played Pignatello on the left, which would maybe have involved um, uh, I, I don't know um, Hines coming in, but. I think the back five that he played is the back five you have to play. Uh, Pignatello where he is. And I, again, these are young players. Pignatello is a boy who's learning the game still. And we're shunting his positions about. He's played midfield. He's played at right wing back. He's played at right back and a four. And he's and Saturday he's played at right centre back. Um, and Strap as well. I, I mean, I really don't think you can fault Lewis Strap's performance. Lewis, Lewis Strap's played at left, left centre back. And I don't think you can fault his performance on Saturday. Um, but it, it, it was just defensive errors. And the third one is, let me remember what the third goal was. Was that the one the, where um, the, the, the boys the, basically run off run off King? And no, kind of that's the, the one where... Uh, was that the other one? Oh, yeah, yeah no, sorry. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the guy who scores has run off King. Cause, yeah, King stumbled. Uh, his ah, yes, yes. But that's after Pignatello genuinely takes a step back away from the ball as a, as a cross comes in. It's just to say, after you to the guy who heads it back across, uh, aye. Aye. Uh, yeah, I've got no idea what uh, you know, what Pignatello's trying to do there. Um, aye. Yeah, 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 we, aye, we may as well just rattle through them. The penalty, yeah. Penalty, King's king on the wrong Again, we're, we're kind of, it's, it's that shape where we're awful open. Yeah. Um, so he, he's he's kind of caught in an area where he's like, do I, do I go or no? Kind of straps, kind of been dragged out of position. Players run off his shoulder. He's laid a hand on him. I mean, you can split hairs about it, but it's a um, penalty. He's good down. It's a penalty. Yeah. So uh, um, I mean, it sounds a bit like we're going two footed in and King here, just with how often we're no, seeing his name in relation. Absolutely to not at all. But, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a seventeen-year-old. He's done very, very well uh, this season over the piece, but. I, I totally agree with you that he needs a few games on the bench just to take him out the firing line for his own sake as much as anything. Poor performances um, are going to happen with any player of that age and I think a lot of this was him being exposed by systemic issues mm-hmm. rather than him being a problem in any way. Um, so after the penalty, remain. Oh, yeah, the fourth goal, okay. Um oh, I noticed yeah. before Hines came on, uh, Emery kind of talking to him before he came on and he's come on not that long after uh, they've made a double sub of Tiffany and... No, Tiffany and Turner at the start of half, what am I talking about? They were at half time. And uh, again, the fact he's taking Pign- Pignatello off, um, it surprised me. I had actually, I think I'd kind of mentioned to somebody, is there anything that we can do here to kind of change ch- the change shape? I had half an inkling we could have put Hines on it, right wing back, and maybe shunted Grimshaw in one. That did happen later on, but what he's done is he's basically, I don't know what formation we've gone to at that point, if that's Hines in a back three or whatever it is, 
Um, but he's shown him. He's in, aye. So which is what was I trying to say? Um, Emery has been talking to him, and he's clearly been talking to him about left and right foot. Show him onto this foot. Show him onto that foot. He's shown him onto the left foot, and he's clearly been showing him onto the left foot. But showing him onto the left foot, and then giving him far too much time to then get it back in his right foot to stick it in. I again, I would say, I thought Schwacky went down far too quickly. Um, he could have done a wee bit better as well. I thought, but um, I that's it didn't look good at all for Hines to be honest with you. Uh, uh, and 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 it's kind of shown up the again the like a depth that they've got. Um, and the fifth goal was just a. What was that one again? Uh, it was one. I, it was a shot, and Schwacky's just literally pushed it back out yeah. again, and uh, a Dowds or Dowds stuck it in. Um, yeah, I think that that's one where he does have to do better with the party just to get get that push somewhere else. What I was interested, what I'd be interested to find out is when Gillespie went off, who was went to have been playing in his sort of number six position, um, because he shunted Grimshaw in one. And I can't remember what it was, but there was a time we lost the ball late on and Grimshaw's trying to chase back and he had absolutely nothing left in his legs to chase back. He was tr- he was he was running in treacle. Um and it's obviously he's 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 not had any games. Um yeah. and this is where we are. So again that's a decision to kind of push him in. Yeah. And um, and see to be honest, at, at this point in the game it's sort of hard to figure out what our shape is because yeah. Yeah, I mean, the players are so demoralised and running around. They, they're cutting through as it will. And yeah, we're, we just descended into a bit of a shapeless mess by that time. Thanks, Spice Rum is inspired by Clydeside's heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. Their carefully selected aged rums are infused with Scottish raspberries, golden syrup and exotic spices. Thanks, Spice Rum is blended with the finest Caledonian water whilst retaining its spiritual Caribbean DNA. The new Morton Club edition is available now and coming soon, Titan Orange Rum. Titan Spice, rum, reggae, retro. Head over to thankspiritsltp.com to order your bottle today. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by one of Titan's founding members and director, Stuart Drake. Stuart, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? Uh, hello, Dean. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. No, brilliant. And yeah, really glad that you've come on. Obviously, the you guys have, have given us a, a massive help and really, really helping us keep ourselves going with the podcast and the forum since our reception, obviously, since we, we started trying to expand into a podcast. So obviously, a lot of listeners will be familiar with the Titan brand, maybe not so much with yourselves. What inspired you guys to, to create a rum? What was your what was your thinking behind it? Uh, well, it's a lockdown uh, project, basically. Um, myself and my friend Gordon McInnes, one of the other directors, this is just something we have spoken about for years. Uh, him and I are big rum heads, uh, really got into our uh, aged rums, um, Caribbean rums, spiced rums, uh, developed a bit of knowledge over it over the years. Uh, and we have just spoken for a long time about how great it would be to, to, to make our own rum. Uh, we saw that there was a rum scene uh, developing in Scotland, and we just saw a gap in the market, one that we could talk about 
the Lower Clyde, the River Clyde, uh, Inverclyde as well, uh, and, and all the history and heritage uh, and scenery, that mix that there is on this river, we thought it would make fantastic branding uh, for our product. Brilliant. So you obviously mentioned the branding there. How important is you? You obviously mentioned the, the branding there and you mentioned Inverclyde. How important was it for you guys to, to really have Inverclyde and the heritage of the area at the, the heart of your marketing and your branding? Hugely important. Um, you know, we're all born and bred in this, uh, in this area. Uh, we, we think there's a story to tell. Uh, and, and it's a story that at times has is getting lost. Um, we, we looked around for inspiration as to you know what to call our brand and our rum, and we looked to see what was left uh, of all the industry. I mean, you think what was here: uh, shipbuilding, sugar refining, huge engine works, potteries, mills, rope works, and, and there's very little of it left. The, the, the obvious thing that is left standing there is the is the is the Titan Hammerhead crane that was. Uh, uh, part of the um, the Greenwich Dockyard Company's um, shipyard, um, and we thought that would make a, a fantastic focal point and brand, and and you know just to to identify us with the area and what we're all about, uh, and that's that was a, was a no brainer to call ourselves uh, Titan Spirits. It just it just it just worked out, it just worked really really well. Fantastic. Now. Obviously, you've had a lot of links with Morton sponsoring the forum. You've then been involved in various projects inside Morton. Would you like to talk us through a few of the projects that you've you've introduced to Morton over the last wee while? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, again, um, I followed Morton since I've been a, a since I was a small boy. Uh, right, started started with Morton in the Benny Rooney era. That's that's when I remember uh, first becoming aware of. Uh, of the team and, and, and going to see them, uh, Andy Ritchie and, and so on. Uh, and really, that, that's just stayed with me throughout my uh, uh, life and interest in football, uh, following my local team through all its ups and downs. Um, it, it just seemed the right thing to do to become involved with the club. Having called ourselves, um, you know, Titan Spirits with a Titan crane standing right beside the ground uh, and the club forming part of the history and heritage of this area, you know, it has got such a long and interesting history. Again, it, it made sense to, to see if there was a way that we could um, sponsor. Um, so we made an initial approach and, uh, and agreed to take out just an advertising board in the first instance, uh, which went really, really well in, our, in the first season we sponsored the, the club. Our board's right at the end of the, the wee Dublin end, almost directly be below the crane. So whenever yeah. there's any f photography or, or TV cameras at that end of the ground, you see our board and the crane. It, again, it just fits. It just seems to be such a great link. Um, so that, that was really it for the, the for the first season. Uh, we we got ourselves on the the track the digital trackside boarding a couple of times for, for televised games, which was which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then we started a conversation about uh, became involved in the conversation about uh, the centenary of of Morton winning the, the their only Scottish Cup in 1922, and whether there was a possibility that we could create something uh, for the club that uh, could mark that. Um, so yeah, it took a lot of work, but we got managed to get our, our bottle branded up in Morton colours, and we we got some lovely imagery on the back of the bottle with the with the with the club crest, yeah, uh, and uh, and details of the game uh, in nineteen twenty two, the one nil win against Rangers, uh, and we decided just to do that a limited edition uh, and and make um a hundred of them, and there was a percentage of each sale would be reinvested back in the club. 
we could probably have made 500 of them, uh, Dean, to be honest, because yeah. there was huge demand for them. They went online and sold out in 16 minutes, which was just absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, and, and have now become real um, collector's pieces, I think. Uh, and the people that have them absolutely love them. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was um, a really quite a big deal, a, a really exciting time. We we got into the, we came into the ground. We met Dougie Emery. Our picture taken on the on the day that the Scottish Cup visited the ground. So we got our, um, all our imagery and, and photography with the bottle done with the Scottish Cup. So that was that was pretty special as well. Fantastic, and obviously, I think the the last time you're up at my house, it was it was taking pride of place in the living room table. And I think probably the case for most Morton fans that did manage to get one, it's it's something to be kind of cherished. It's it, it's certainly not something that to be kept in the bottle cupboard. It's something that I love having out. It's um, I've said this to you before. I think the shape of the bottle is fantastic. Um, the big kind of chunky bottle. Yeah, I love the branding, the colouring. The Morton bottle is obviously very special. And I same again with the with the bag that. It, that it came with it was it really was, it was an excellent an excellent piece and again was that then the thinking behind launching the the Morton Club edition then yeah definitely um I mean the, the, uh, another uh, part of the centenary bottle is that the Morton have um number one of the of, of that edition and it sits in the trophy cabinet in the, in the director's boardroom which is it's absolutely tremendous as well uh, and yeah, that led to uh, a further conversation with the club because uh, they made it clear that there is demand uh, from the support for for branded items. You know, you know how popular the Dougie Emery's bubble hat went and stuff. So it, you know, there there there, there is demand for. To, for collectibles. Um, so again, we, we entered into conversation with the, the club just to have a, a club edition that, that fans are, are able to have uh, that, that's branded with the, 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 the club's crest uh, and our our bottle. Uh, and, and, and we created that again, and that just recently went on sale. And again, has gone tremendously well. Um, and we went for a much bigger run this time, so that if anybody wanted to have one of them for their collection or to or to drink it, then they can they can get it, and um, uh, and, and, and we should have plenty in stock, and they're not to Christmas. So um, yeah, that bottle is is available is available now, and is is going really well uh, with the with the support. So I understand on the horizon there is a new edition being released, a new flavour of rum. Do you want to talk us through that one? Yeah, yeah, we've um, we've. we've Always wanted to 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 have a range, uh, and we've been working hard with our um, distillers uh, over over the past few months uh, to come up with a uh, a flavour that would complement our original Titan Spice Rum, uh, and uh, we have developed Titan Orange Rum, uh, which uh, is just tastes absolutely fantastic if I say so myself. It's um, uh, and it's going to complement our uh, original product. Uh, the bottle looks tremendous as well because the the branding on the front is a is a bright orange colour, obviously to suggest the the flavouring that's within. Uh, and it's yeah, really looking forward to um to getting uh, a, a sort of pre sale and a build up to that in the in in the next few weeks. And and again, the Titan Orange Drum will be ready for Christmas. Uh, really, really looking forward to seeing how it's received. Um, I'm 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 hopeful it will be it will be well received by by our customers. Fantastic. All right, Stuart, that was a, a fascinating insight into everything you do. I think we would all agree as as Morton fans, it's it's really refreshing to see local businesses 
obviously we we love to see local businesses thrive and I think the money that the money and time and investment that you guys are are putting back into the club is is really fantastic so excellent I think I, I speak for all Morton fans and I wish you the, the very best of luck. Uh, th- thanks very much Dean yeah well, we're, we're keen to keep working with Morton uh, our club edition as well has a, a, a percentage of every sale is reinvested back into the club to support the community ownership as well. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, we're, we're looking to to continue our um, our business relationship with Morton, uh, and and as they grow, hopefully we can grow in a similar trajectory along with them. And uh, the ambition is to have uh, Titan Spirits train on the uh, on the club strip when we're playing in the in the Premier League. I think that's what we'll all aim for. Fantastic! All right, Stuart, that was yeah, that was a, a really fascinating insight. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks very much for your time. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at The Morton Forum. <laughs>